We're back. Welcome to Shout 5 of the Merlin I Am series. Again, here we are at Louisville, Colorado at the Crimson Circle Connection Center. Here for you. Very excited. You know, this is also a very special month. This is the month of love and Valentine's. And, you know, I, I rumor has it that Adamus has some special things about that. So I guess we're going to find out. So, welcome. I think we're just about ready to get into this. So with that, with that, let's take some good deep breaths. Yes, we say this each time because it's a conscious breath where we stop, we take pause and take the good deep breath. It's a breath that lets the energies flow. The breath of life honoring your body, honoring your human and divine. Take the good deep breath. You can feel Adamus's energies if you choose. He's right here with each of us, with every breath. So from the heart of you, from the heart of you, take the good deep breath as we move on. To Merlin, I am. I am that I am. The magical and musical Adamus St. Germain. Ah, that was an invigorating piece of music as we got into this session. I'm, I'm talking about the break music, of course, my music before we started. I love composing. I loved instruments. I loved, I loved singing. I loved women. I loved a lot of things. I love, love, love. I guess this is a good month to express it, but I love composing music and, and playing music. You probably knew that, didn't you, oh, Linda? Of course. Yes, yeah, yes. what don't you and love Did you enjoy that music at the break? Actually, I did. You did. Caldra didn't. Uh, I'm, I'm certainly that he'll learn one day. He'll, his sense uh, of music, his taste will mature at some point. But no, I love composing, and I, I, I composed uh, oh, I would say 83 different symphonies in my time. Some which are still around today, of course. Uh, but um, it was I love painting. I, I love so many things about the human life. Once I took a good deep breath and got out of my own way. Uh, that's what I encourage all of you to do. Just get out of your way. Before we go any further, though, I have a lot to talk about today. Before we go any further, I want to do something with each and every one of you. We've done, to a small degree, in Kihak. We're going to be going into more of it in Kihak in the, in the future. But before we go any further, I want you to imagine a scepter. You know what a scepter is? It's like a, a, a cane, you know, but it's not necessarily used as a cane. Merlin holds a scepter. Uh, it's, it's usually got a, a ball on the top, glass, crystal, gold is even better. You know, I love gold. Yeah. Gold has such amazing properties. It, it, has, uh, it has a peacefulness to it. Yeah, energetically, uh, it, it's got a beautiful peacefulness. So imagine your scepter, whatever, maybe crystal on the top, with uh, etched into the crystal that uh, circumpunct you know, with the circle and the dot in the middle, and four rays coming out representing energy. That'd be a good one. And then for, for the shaft, it could be gold, 
Could be wood. I, I loved a beautiful wood scepter. Wood is so indicative of the planet Earth. It's so beautiful. It's renewable. You could use it to keep warm by the fireplace. You can use it for furniture, and it, and it renews itself over and over. So imagine a scepter. Whatever you want it to look like. And yes, it can change. It can change every moment, every day if you want it to. It doesn't have to remain looking the same. But imagine a scepter. And as we talked about in Kihak, and we'll go much deeper with it, when there's times of confusion or uncertainty or unknowingness, as you're going now into the and times, going beyond duality as a basis for reality. And you come to that uncertain moment where there's trepidation and even perhaps anxiety and fear. You take a deep breath and you simply hold that scepter. That scepter is a symbol of going into everything that you know, even what you don't know. That scepter takes you beyond the old patterns of thinking and logic and emotions, and it will transport you deep into your own energies where you can behold all of the potentials and all of the answers for yourself, not for others. If others come to you and say, Hey, Bill, would you use that scepter to get me into my energy? The answer is absolute no. It's for you. It's yours. Your answers are there, not the world's answers, not Bill's answers, not anybody else. In times of uncertainty, in the times of, well, when you simply feel that things are beyond you, imagine your scepter. It's not a magic wand. You don't wave it over frogs and turn them into princes, ladies or gentlemen. It's a scepter, and it's a reminder of all that you are, of transporting you deep into your energy, where you can behold all of the answers. We'll start with that. We'll end with that today. But before we go any further, I have to address something of grand importance. Me. Was that funny, dear Linda? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Something of grand importance, me. Now, I noticed that uh, you played my music finally. How many years has it been with this music at the breaks and in between? And finally, you choose to play a little bit of my lovely music. Mm. I'd love very to nice. see. I'd it's love to see nice. a vote on your social media, dear Linda, and, and all of you. Uh, those that just loved it would like to hear more of it all the time, and those that could do without it, like Caldro. Yes, what did you think of that lovely music? Didn't it, didn't it touch your heart? It was beautiful, classic music. On I this mean, Valentine's month. Stunning. I stun- love it. I thank you, thank you. And I she wasn't truly, paid extra you know, you to know, say that. You know I mean that. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so we're here celebrating Valentine's, and what an appropriate time to play my music. Now, I noticed a couple of things wrong, and I didn't want to mention anything until I got in front of the public <laughs> to bring it out, but the, the dates of my um, birth. Uh, could you put that back up, uh, the production team? Can you put up that graphic? There's something dreadfully wrong with that. 
they're working on it, but just to say the dates are wrong. Yeah. I wondered about that. Uh, yes, I did too when I saw it. And of course, it's beyond me to correct anybody except when there's a whole audience to do it in front of. Uh, I, you know, I did not die in 1784. Many wished that I had. Oof. Oh, it's true. And, and I did, I did uh, kind of disappear about that time frame but I uh, wasn't dead for at least another decade or more. So, oh. uh, yes, and, and uh, I was born a little later than what shows on the screen there. But, um, you know, the fact is that history is so inaccurate, is so very inaccurate. History is uh, flat, for one thing. History is one person, one writer, one researcher's opinion of what happened, and oftentimes the dates of history are dreadfully wrong. Hmm. Don't let yourself be misled by the facts of history, uh, because there's so much more to it. Secondly, I take exception, great exception, with the image, the graphic uh, that you're going to see showing on the screen of, of what was supposedly me and the and the, the thing you use for the brakes uh, or well, this one's fine too. You are a little more manly looking than that, right? Thank you, dear Linda of Isa, you adorable creature. Yes, uh, could you put that graphic up, please, again? Uh, really, I mean, really, Saint Germain the the illustrious, the mysterious, the charming, the sensual Saint Germain would look like this. I, I doubt not. Now, the fact is, you see, history makes mistakes. Oh. The fact is, that was a good friend of mine, and somehow it got mistaken for being me along the way by some clumsy historians who put my name on that. Back to the picture, please. Really? Really me? I mean, <laughs> this gentleman, a friend of mine, wasn't good looking, and he was a little bit more portly than even what's shown in the photograph there. And he paid the painter extra money to make him look a little better than he actually did. He had moles all over his face and was not an attractive-looking man, but not me. Not me. Uh, no, not at all. So um, the fact is that I had no portraits painted of myself in my lifetime for a variety of reasons. I was a better painter than any of the ones who would have been commissioned to paint me. No, seriously, I did a number of uh, self-portraits, and seven or eight self-portraits. Uh, I don't know whatever happened to them. I imagine one or two still might be around, lingering in somebody's attic in that moldy, dusty, insect-infested attic, and uh, hopefully one day they'll find it and not know who that handsome gent is. Uh, was it painting? I painted myself, self-portrait. Oh. Yes. Was it um, we didn't temporal do, we, or it oil? It was a, It was the original selfie, Linda. Oh. It was the original selfie. Yes, before you had your oil paint. Well, indeed, indeed. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Impressive. Oh, no, I was quite the painter. I would actually compose a, a whole um, orchestra or symphony uh, in one hand while I was painting in the other. It was very easy to you do. I, I was a master painter. Uh, in, in a master many. what? I hope the camera's getting a look at a big shot of that face. I said I was a master painter and composer. Where is this show going to? We barely started, but anyway, uh, so the question is, what did Saint Germain look like? Let's go back to that first image. 
uh, that was my moly friend. Uh, that was not me. I might have dressed like that kind mm -hmm. of once in a while, but not me. That painting actually looks like uh, somebody else that I actually knew quite well, George Washington. You see, uh, you see the similarities? Can you go back and forth? You see? Uh, and George Washington. Now, George Washington, I, I knew, uh, met on a number of occasions, a brilliant man. And I actually had quite a thing for his wife, Martha, but I didn't act it out. She had actually quite a thing for me, too, but we had to keep our social distance, if you know what I mean. Just uh, What, dear Linda? <laughs> I think I'm trying to be entertaining today. Okay. I, I have to admit, I've been taking some lessons from Kathumi lately. I know that at times my demeanor is rather subtle and uh, sometimes one could consider dry and uh, not so humorous. So I have been taking Kathumi lessons and uh, he said it's going to be a while before we're done with them, but uh, he said he would also teach some of you to get that stick out of your uh, back pocket, uh, so to speak, because uh, some of you are far too serious about things. You have to learn to laugh. I'm learning to laugh, and I'm learning to be laughed at as well. So the question comes up. <laughs> the question comes up, what did I look like? What did I look like? And now there's some New Age representations of what I look like. And uh, can we show that on, on the screen? Uh, what, what the typical New Age artist would think that St. Germain would look like. Not too bad. Kind of a little bit like Jesus. A uh, little bit. Yeah. Nice kind of a, a square face. Not square, but a rectangle face. Nice hair. Uh, holding that magic chalice and uh, whatever else that is. Uh, something else. And that glow about me. I mean, that, gl that glow. See the, see the similarities? Let's go back to that New Age shot. Uh, see? Now come back. You see? Oh. Ah, very similar. Well, all right, a little similar. No, that, that New Age shot, not so much. That somebody's, uh, somebody's concept uh, of what I might look like, just, you know, a great ascended master, handsome and all that stuff. And that's not really quite what I looked like. But we're getting closer than the George Washington look, which I really detest. So I ask you to use your imagination now for a moment. Use your imagination. Go beyond the data points. Go beyond what you think is the, the f are the facts, and go beyond the history. What would Saint Germain look like if he, well, if he was around us now? What would what would that Saint Germain look like? Um, you know, if he was here now, maybe a little younger. Let's imagine and let's now put that up on the screen. It's getting a little bit more like it. A nice clothes, I have to admit that. Hair is a little longer than what I would normally wear. Buttons, uh, shirt is unbuttoned a little too much, but we're getting a lot closer. Mm. Don't you think so, Linda? Mm. You don't like that look? It's okay. It's a, well, actually, Chambra is imagining this right now. This is a collective of Chambra, and particularly so many ladies right now, <laughs> really. Uh, Feeling in, feeling into this, uh, into their hearts. So, what would he look like? Yes, that's it, that's it. And then the question comes up. Okay, now once you know I'm not here with Shambra in the group, you know, down here at the Connection Center on Planet Earth. 
what do I look like at the Ascended Masters Club? When I'm just my typical day, just hanging around with my buds, my Ascended buds. What do I look like? Let's feel into that for a moment. Feel into that. Allow the imagination. Let go of all the data points of what you think an Ascended Master should look like. Oh, oh. and this is what this is what we come up with. Maybe. Yes. It's getting pretty close. That's getting pretty close. Matter of fact, so close we might have some copyright issues here. Wow. Because that's, uh, yeah. And the peacock feathers are totally right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Man. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, by the way, if we go back to that shot, I, I do not wear uh, peacock feathers all the time. Oh, you don't? No, as a matter of fact, I rarely do because, you know, poor peacocks, it really hurts when those are plucked from them. But this is your imagination at work. It's kind of the collective. And for some reason, a lot of you are imagining peacocks, all <laughs> feathers all around me. I don't know why. I don't know what this has to do with anything, but so let's take a deep breath and and this is what I look like channeling through Caldra right now. A, a better look than what I would say we had with Guy Ballard when he was channeling Saint <laughs> Germain. Nice man, but he was an engineer and you know didn't know how to dress worth a damn. Uh, neither does Caldra, but once in a while I insist on an outfit. So. Um, Oh, he'll be all right. He'll cry, but he'll be he'll get through it. So this is what <laughs> I look like through Caldra, but if you really want to imagine me hanging around the Ascended Masters Club, it looks like this. Ah yes. Oof. Ah yes. I don't always wear the hat, but uh, okay. So enough of that distraction, that Very intentional. Cocky. Yeah, not no cocky. I wouldn't say. Peacocky. Let's go back to that that shot. Oh, that's not a cocky shot. That's a bold, manly shot. That's mm. a self-confident. Mm. Yeah, the self-confident. Now, I know some of you out there are clucking and shaking your heads and wondering what this is all about. Other than get a life, have a bit of sense of humor, would you please? And <laughs> I'm learning how to have humor. I, I, Kathumi and I, we're, we're having so much fun with humor these days. I'm learning to lighten up and let go a little bit. But some of you are out there clucking and saying, well, what about these are all men? Well, it's because I'm channeling through a man today. You're saying, what about your lifetimes as a female? Right? That's right? been all over Facebook. I know. I read. I see. So next month, we're going to do. St. Germain's lifetime as women. I doubt it. If you know what I mean. No, we are. Really? No. Well, absolutely, we have to. We're, we're in this new equitable society, and it would be all wrong just to show just men. You're, so you're, t you're talking about the April shout, right? The April Fool's shout? Well, that's not the next shout, but we could wait till April, but it's really, you know, who's the real fool here? So next month, I, we're going to show some shots of me in oh. my past lives. As women, and once in a while, when I go uni at the Ascended Masters Club, uh, I was kind of sexless or all sex actually, totally sex. Uh, we're going to show some shots of me as what I would look like as a woman. Calder wants to run away right now, and I'm fine with that. You know. Okay, let's take a deep breath for a <sighs> little bit of nonsense as we get started good, today. Good. Wasn't wasn't that fun? Something like that. Yeah, something yeah, like, yeah. Something yeah, like, yeah, something that. like okay. that. You know, I'm going to remind you all of something. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 
people are going to be going back into the shouds like oh. never before. And, you know, what if it was all dry and tedious and boring? You know who's boring? Metatron. <laughs> really boring. No sense of human personality because he's not ever been in the bod. Mm. You know, I and you, we are gods in a bod. And we're going to look back on this material over the years, and the things that are really going to stand out are our fun moments, are, are the times with the audiences, which we'll come back to soon. Some of the greatest times of all, the antics and the, and the fun and the celebrating. You don't remember the boring stuff, which we'll get into in just a moment when we're done with this fun stuff. You remember the fun stuff, getting dressed up like I am today. Me too. You look beautiful, as Thank always. You. Thank yes, you. When, when I always. realized that Kaudra was getting up all snazzy for you, I said, well, i got to snazz up. Yeah, absolutely. And you're yeah. going to remember uh, the parties. You're going to remember the laughter and, and sometimes the tears. You're not going to remember the dry mm -hmm. stuff. And, you know, there, there's a certain segment of Chambre that just wants it dry and straight and without humor and without music. And, you know, I'll explain to you in a moment why that just doesn't work anymore. Mm. It just doesn't work. So before we go any further, let's talk for a moment about Pronost. Mm. As Caldra and Linda mentioned, it was only three weeks ago uh, that we did Pronost. One thing I want to say about Pronost, but it also applies to all the shouts and everything we do, it's all of us. All of us. Tobias introduced the word shoud, which is an ancient word which means community, actually. And he said, let's call these shouds because it's all of us. The big difference is between with what we do and what most other groups do, usually it's somebody lecturing or channeling a lecturer at them. The information's coming at them. We don't do that here. We shout together. Mm. That means we put our community together in all of our voices, all of our energy, and come out with some of the most beautiful and profound things. Funny at times. Very touching at times. Boring as hell at other times. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's us. Anything you hear through Tobias, Kuthumi, me, is you. Is mm. you. When the time, time comes when I walk from the Chambre stage, when I depart, when I say my last I am that I am, you praying, crying, or laughing? All of it. <laughs> All of it. I don't want to think about that. But don't keep bringing it up. Uh, you know, while Kathumi teaches me about humor, I teach him about theatrics. Mm. Theatrics. He was a little adverse to theatrics at one point because he felt it wasn't genuine. He felt that it always had to be him in his true depressing state. So I had to teach him a bit about theatrics, about the expression in life. It's not overdoing to open your heart and to share at all levels. Some of you are so goddamn boring at times. And I ask you to rise up like the phoenix, to rise up from within yourself, to pull the passion 
to pull the excitement, to pull the theatrics. It does the soul a world of good to sing the song large and full rather than keep one's voice deep in the dirt, in the silence, and in the darkness. So lighten up a little bit. You're going to need it. You're going to need it if you plan to stay in this planet, mm. crazy place that it is. Where was I, dear Linda? I forget so quickly. I get my distract myself. Uh, I actually just testing her to see if she was remembering. Well, you're talking that we, you know, have to have humor, and you know, and you're leaving. And oh yes, 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 yes. Uh, my leaving, yes. So uh, when comes the day that I leave the stage of Shambram, and I say my last. I am that I was. <laughs> I'm having fun. <laughs> Kathumi's having a lot of fun. There's some folks here today that uh, I may or may not introduce in a little bit. Oops. They're kind of aghast at what's happening here. I invited him in on purpose because sometimes they got a little too serious. But uh, when I when I leave, <laughs> when I leave, I'm going to turn Adamus. Over to all of you, each one of you will be an Adamus. Mm. Adamus, a damn us. All of us. <laughs> so let's take a good deep breath into the joy and the beauty and the fun of life. And uh, I have to say, Kathumi, these classes are doing me a world of good. I'm, I'm amusing myself today. Pronost is all of us. The information that comes out, it isn't just what I sit around and write for a lecture. What I do is tap into each and every one of you and then tap into the planet and feel what's going on, and then I bring forth the message. But it's each and every one of us. It's tailor-made for you because it is you. It is you. It's all of us. It's the thing. It's not just what I feel like talking about. Given the choice and pronounced, I'd probably talk about music and art. Hmm. Yeah, and but it's it's you, it's your voice. So it's what's important. And when we go into the sadness of humanity, that was a tough one. It was tough on me. It was really tough on Coldra. It was tough on dear Linda. It was tough on all of you, because there is a sadness, and because mm -hmm. you, as Shamba, are aware of it, you want to hear about it. You want to. You want a, an understanding of something you think you don't know, but actually you do. You want an understanding of what that sadness is. You've been asking for a while, what is it? And of course, you do that Chambra thing. You turn it inside. You blame yourself. You think you're not doing a good job in coming to realization or is to being a realized master because you've got this tremendous sense of sadness and you think there's something wrong. No. You are feeling a very real sadness of humanity. Now, humanity's gone through some sad times before, but not necessarily conscious of their sadness, not necessarily conscious of why they were sad, and now it's, it's prevalent. You know where it's the strongest right now? What we call the new ones coming in. Mm -hmm. New ones coming in, uh, coming into Crimson Circle, but a lot just coming into their awakening, and they hit this big 
wall of sadness, tears, sadness, and cannot define it. And what do they say? They say, you know, I don't know what this is. Why am I feeling so sad? There must be something wrong. Or they blame it on their spirit guides or who knows what else. No, it's, it's a cloud all around humanity right now. It was brought up by the dragon coming in to the planet. And there is a, it is a time of reflection, a time of, a time of looking and saying, what have we done? Not in a judgment. Not, not in a blame thing, but what have we done? That is such an appropriate question to ask. Yes, there is a sadness to it, but the very nature of asking that question, what have we done, causes us to also look at why we came here in the first place, where we're going from here. And looking at the suffering, I, I, I lump this all together in one great big box category called suffering. The planet does suffer. Humans suffer a tremendous amount at their own hand and at the hand of others. And what's happening right now is more and more humans are coming into consciousness, and there's more realized park-benching masters around the planet. As we take a look and saying, suffering, is that something we're going to bring forward? Suffering, is that something that served us? It's our energy. Did it serve us? Does it need to serve us as suffering going forward? You can all trace back into your lineage, into your past lives, and find more than an abundance of suffering. You can look at this lifetime. You can look at hell last week. And there's more than enough suffering. It's time right now that this whole concept of suffering on the planet is shifting. The planet has suffered enough. You have suffered enough. There's been enough sadness. That's why we together brought up this subject of the tears of humanity in Pronost. It was perfect. It was perfect for the new ones to say, let's look at suffering. Is there a better way? Is there something else? And the answer is yes. And if you don't know what it is, dear Shambra, grab that scepter right now. If you don't know what it is, stop thinking for a moment. Grab the scepter, because it will always lead you into your energy and into your resolutions. Yes, there is a different way than suffering. There are those who are on the planet who are vested in suffering, who feel that suffering is God's will and God's way. They feel that without suffering, the human will corrupt itself in a myriad of different ways. They have no trust or faith in human nature itself. So they said the human must suffer until the human learns. The human must crawl on their hands and knees and beg for forgiveness from a God they don't even know. But it's time now, and suffering and its inherent sadness are starting to come to an end on this planet. Oh, but before you see the big change, you're going to see more suffering and more calls for suffering. But it is changing. And I'd like you to realize one thing right now. What we did in Pronost, what you did in Pronost, put a spotlight on it and said, yes, this too must go. 
There's no room on the planet for suffering. There's a lot of room for jokes and humor, a lot of room for love, a lot of room for one's light to shine openly and freely. But suffering, its time has come. That's why we talked about it, and that's one of the big things we're going to be doing as realized masters on the planet, shining our light deep into the heart of what was suffering, so that it can then go to wisdom. Let's take a good deep breath with that. Enough of this suffering and sadness on the planet. Enough. How do we get there? doesn't really matter. But it is time for that to change. That is perhaps the biggest uh, – I don't want to call it a task – but the biggest <sighs> consciousness for those of you who are staying on the planet as realized masters. We're not going to battle suffering. We're simply going to shine a great big light on it. And when we shine that light on it, it will expose it. And when it exposes it, it will cause some turmoil, a lot of turmoil and chaos, but eventually it will come to wisdom. Let's take a good deep breath with that. Hmm. So, dear Linda, you know what really, you know, really uh, annoys me? Something that that Chambra say all the time that really just annoys me. You you know what that is? What? I don't know. What do you mean? What do you mean? I don't know. I don't know. I asked the question. Well, what really annoys me about one of the one of the things Shambra, a lot of Shambra say all the time. And what is that? What do you mean? Why did you ask if you don't know? Why did you ask? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. Oh. No. I don't know is the thing that annoys me that Chambra ah. says all the time. Ah. Because you do know, and that's the point of this whole shout. <laughs> Can we hear that buzzer again? This is when you say, I don't know. Yeah, that's like the Indian version. Yeah, there you go. Good, good. <laughs> good. That's enough. That's enough. Let's cut this. I don't know. That is perhaps one of the most toxic things you can say to yourself or about yourself. I don't know. That, that's suddenly, when you say, I don't know, it, it sets up this cloud, this veil all around you, and it blocks off the answers, the potentials, the resolution. Uh, it blocks off everything. I don't know is. Um, very affirmative statement, and some of you say it so well. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You, you, you say it so well. It's one time where you do get a little theatrical. I don't know. And it's, it drives me nuts. It's like fingernails, long, sharp fingernails on a chalkboard, down the chalkboard when I hear that, because the fact is you do know. 
You're just playing a game called, I don't know. Yeah. So uh, we, we, we used to have audiences. Now we have Linda uh, as our audience, one of our only oh, audience members. Such member. a pressure. Ugh. We used to have audiences here, and it was so uh, fun when somebody would say, I don't know. And I would love to send them off to the toilet. Ten minutes in the toilet by themselves. Some people really liked it. But the fact is, some thought it was crude and uh, vindictive on my part. Uh, uh, it, not at all. It was trying to make a point that this I don't know is so very, very toxic because you do know. And it's a game you play with yourself every day. There's iterations of I don't know. It's like, uh, I'm not sure, or I don't really want to make a decision, or that's not in my pay grade, or all these different ways of saying the same thing. I don't know. But the fact is, you do know. And it's time to get over the I don't knows. When we get an audience back in here, ooh, 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 I'm just waiting for, for that to happen. Because what we're going to do is have them um, We'll have a special, I don't know, chair over here for them. Ooh. Maybe in the corner. There's not really a corner here, but we'll find a, I don't know, chair. Mm. Kind of like, you know, kind of like, the, what do you call it? Uh, sending a little kid to their corner, their quiet time or whatever. We're going to have an I don't know chair. And anybody who says it is going to have to wear the hat. Oh. The hat. So I'd like to give you an example uh, because. It's always not only going to be for these live shouts. It's going to be any time I catch any one of you saying, I don't know, oh. or any iteration of, of I don't know. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to call for a volunteer to come up to the front to uh, display this for us. So, uh, Galen, would you come up here, please? Oh, he's your volunteer. Well, he's the sit-in for Calder. Oh. When Calder is so busy, he can't be in the chair here to do light and sound tests. So Galen is used to sitting in the big chair here. And um, uh, Galen Tinder, his mother, Jean Tinder, of course. Uh, please, no, come right up and have the big chair. Yeah. You take off the mask, you know. Uh, I can't get COVID. I'm a spook. <laughs> good. Good. So uh, have a seat, please. You a little nervous about this? Did you know you were coming up here? No. No? Quite a surprise, isn't it? So what's going to happen is, let's say um, you and I are having a conversation at a shout, which we will, and I say something like, so what's the next big uh, thing that comes into your life, Galen? And you say, I don't know. Uh, and I go, <gasps> what? And the bell rings. The bell rings. We need to give them more coffee back here. Speaking of coffee, C Carrie, I haven't had my coffee. I'm, I've been up here for what, yakking away for 45 long minutes. No coffee. Talk about suffering. I'm suffering because they've forgotten simple things like a simple cup of coffee. You would have think she would have realized it right away, but she's sitting over there at the other table. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't think you wanted one, Adamas. You asked for one. No. You feel into it. You go beyond the mind and the data points, and you realize, oh, Adamas would love a cup of coffee right now. Where were we? I don't know. Okay, good. And when you say that and the bell rings, it, what the hell kind of bell was that? Yeah. And the bell. The, 
Yeah, okay. Is that, that's a, good. And the bell rings, and then Linda and I look to... Who's... Wait, what's, what's happening here? Oh, you should have your scepter here, I guess. My what? Scepter. This is my scepter. No, wait, no, this is just part of the act. Okay, although Galen didn't know that. And then suddenly I'm in shock because somebody says, I don't know. When somebody says, I don't know, I can just see suddenly there's a veil going up around them that blocks them from seeing all their potentials. And then you are in, I don't know, land. You're kind of this, in a little bubble. You can't see what's really all around you. Uh, well, I don't know. And, and suddenly, you don't know. Uh, you go from being an amazing, intuitive being into an I don't know what being. And then Linda will then do something. Go ahead, Linda. Oh, oh, well, uh, this is a Linda, time do you know what you're supposed to be doing here? Hell no. <laughs> well, I don't know. Linda will suddenly come forth with this beautiful creation concepted by Caldra, executed and sewn by Jean Tinder, your mom, and you will be wearing the I Know Better. Let's get a shot of that. The I Know Better hat. A nice close-up. Good. And just turn your head a little bit so the camera can see. Or better yet, move the camera. Okay. I Know Better. There you go. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I know better has multiple meanings. First of all, I know better. I know a lot. And I know better than to say, I don't know. We might have to get a lot of these hats, and, and actually, we should get some made if you put somebody put that on their list. Uh, who's in charge of that? I don't know. <laughs> uh, if somebody put that on their list, We'll get a whole bunch of hats made up, uh, sewn, embroidered, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll distribute them. But I, I think it would look better. Adamus, who would want one of those? I don't know. It's a punishment. <laughs> <laughs> I did that intentionally. <laughs> I did. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I did that intentionally, Linda. You know it. Thank you, Galen, for modeling, for posing the new I Don't Know hat. Um, you know, that looks a little bit like a dunce hat. I'm wondering if it should look more like a wizard's hat with a brim on it. Uh, I think Jean had initially suggested that. But uh, thank you for the coffee, Carrie. Thank you. Ah, oh. There you go. This is not coffee. This is. That's kombucha. This is kombucha. I thought urine from a grape. Um, so. Anyway, dear Shambra, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to hear that anymore, because you do know. The fact is, you know everything. You just don't know that you know it. Now, let's start bringing this together. This is our Valentine shout. See all the hearts? If, if you had to ask yourself, why are there all the hearts and roses there today? Oh, I don't know. It's because Valentine's is in, what, eight days? Or, yes, eight days. Uh, that's why. Now, Valentine's is the celebration of love, even though St. Valentine was a martyr. <laughs> Get it? He suffered. And somehow that turned into the celebration of love. That's really weird. I wonder why they do that. You're supposed to say, Linda, I don't know. Come on back up here. I'm not going to bite. It's against my religion. I can't say that. Okay. So she, she won't say it anymore. That's a good thing. She's learning. St. Valentine. 
I was a martyr back, what, about uh, year about 269 AD. Uh, but yet that's turned into a celebration of love. How that happened, I, I don't know. But so, so our, our St. Valentine's Day now is about love, and it's about a time of, oh, young lovers and uh, people doing acts of love, giving flowers. I'm, I'm giving these to you, Linda, because I love you. These can be yours after, oh, the, after the shout. So thoughtful you are. Love. What is love? What is love? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how many times I've heard that. If I have a little bit of an issue going on here, if I'm like maybe having kind of like some sort of reaction to it, because I've heard it so many times from all of you. You know when you call me up at night and I come down and we chat and visit and you ask me all these questions, you know my typical answer is, what's the answer? What do you think? Well, I don't know. That's why I called you. But I'm not going to give you the answer. I'll remind you that you have the answers, but the moment you say, I don't know. I'm clueless. I don't know. I just have to back off. I have to let you be in that, that kind of um, septic bath that, that you're in with the I don't knows. I, there's nothing I can do. I, I can't give you the answer, and you're insisting on I don't know. So we just sit there. We talk about stupid things for a while because we're not really getting to the subject. Uh, the I don't knows. They're they're toxic at this point in in your your development, your mastery. They're toxic. So let's go back to the subject of love. What is love? What is love? It's a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's a feeling and. Love is a sense, literally is a sense. Uh, it's a now an angelic sense. Didn't used to be. Didn't used to be any love anywhere, nowhere, until humans created it. Then it went up as this new sense for all angels to ultimately experience. But what is love? When we made love an official sense, right up there with the other. 200,000 plus senses. We made love an official sense. We, we had this kind of gathering, this meeting, and somebody says, I propose that love be one of the angelic senses. And there was a lot of murmuring and discussion, and finally somebody at the other end of the hall said, well, What is love? What is love? And, and the room went silent. Everybody felt. Because you see, most of the angelic beings had never sensed love, didn't know anything about love. So they said, let's call up a human. Let's bring a human into our meeting, a human who has experienced love, and have them describe love so we can vote on whether it's going to be in a new official sense, an angelic sense. So they went and got a human. Killed them, but uh, I mean, to bring them all the way over, but it ultimately didn't matter. But they brought a human into the room and and said, uh, hey, Casanova, what is love? And Casanova thought for a moment. He was theatrical as well. And he said, Love, I cannot tell you of love until you have experienced it, and I have experienced it 5,000 times and more. But I cannot tell you about love. It is, it is not the erotic 
emotions and sensory feelings of the body. That is not love. That is a reaction to love. But what is love? What is love? So difficult to explain when one has not ever experienced. But I can tell you love is by far the grandest of all the senses that you'll ever have. But you will have to go by way of Earth to experience love. And then once you do, and once your heart opens to love, and even once your heart has been defeated by love, then we can talk about this greatest of all senses. Throughout the hall there was a look on the angelic faces. What the f did he just say? What? But the vote was taken anyway, and of course me, as I do. I encouraged all of them to vote. I said, really trust me. One day you'll go down to Earth too. You'll take on the human form, and you're going to experience this thing called love. But like Casanova, I can't tell you about it. I can't describe it. I can't define it. But it is more real than the rocks of the Earth, than the waters of the Earth. It is more real than the birds that fly through the sky, and it's more real than the fires that sweep through the yeah, I'm getting carried away here, but I like getting a little theatrical. Love is very, very real. When asked one about love, most of the time the humans just reflect yeah, love. <laughs> the ones you've loved, the feeling of being loved, whether it was at the bosom of your mother, whether it was at the bosom of your girlfriend, doesn't matter. It was about that feeling. <laughs> I swear, Carrie put something in my coffee because I wasn't like this until I started drinking uh, coffee. Keep going. It's 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 interesting. So love. Uh, back to the point. Love. Ask what is love. You generally start feeling back into the times of love. How the greatness of love or the loves that you're currently in right now. But try to describe it, it's like almost doing it a disservice. Trying to define it is like trying to bottle it and imprison it. Love is from the heart. So why do you think Linda, why do you think the love is associated with the heart? Because it's not the brain. That's a good answer. I thought she was gonna say, I don't know. She's learning better. It's not from the brain. That's a, actually a very wise answer. So it's not from the head. It's from the heart. And the heart is the vessel that when you're in love, you feel it, don't you? In your heart. Some of you feel it in your gut. But you don't really feel love in the brain, do you? It's in the heart. It's the place where that rhythm of life occurs, like no other place in your being that pulsating of the heart, that desire to live and to experience. The heart doesn't create that desire, but the heart reacts to that desire to live the rhythm of life. That's why the heart, back to the point, is love is a sensory feeling. And, and, and the, the, the angelic beings did vote and uh, said, OK, we're going to we're going to accept love as one of the new senses. We don't really know why, but humans seem all enamored with it, so yeah, let's do it. Love is a sense. And the sense has no data to it. No data. That's why when you think of love, 
It's a feeling that comes over you. It's not data points of the boyfriend that you had 28 years ago and how many times you kissed and how many burgers you had, to get to, uh, had together. It's not data points, is it? And it would defeat love if it was just a series of data points. Love is a, is a feeling. It's a sense that goes far, far beyond what the mind could possibly use to define it. And that's what all life should be. History is a series of data points that are generally not accurate. My picture, for instance, was a friend of mine. History is a series of a lot of data points that aren't accurate, but yet the world seems to grasp on the data points these days. Well, it's because it's the way the mind thinks. Do you have your little righty thing, Linda? Sure. Oh, good. Ask her to write a, write a, <laughs> write a few words on the, oh boy. on the board. I'm going to ask her to write. That's Kathumi interfering. I'm okay. going to ask her to write a few uh, points on the board here. So here's how the human mind thinks. Data, data, data. Emotion. Oh, oh, oh. Decision. I did them backwards. <laughs> data, data, data. Emotion, decision. That's that. That is a pattern, and it's not that you just have three data points, but it means a series of data points that lead to then an emotion. All human decisions are based on the emotion. The emotion is the point of decision, and then you finally make a decision and say that you were really intellectual or uh, you, you know, really processed a lot of stuff, but it's all based on emotion. And there are those who have challenged me in the past and have lost on that challenge, because every human decision is based on ultimately on emotion. Yes, you collect data, a lot of data, and it's the mind at work. And nothing wrong with the mind, but that's the way the mind works, and it collects data. And then the data is evaluated by the mind, which really doesn't understand true senses or sensuality or sensory feelings. And the mind evaluates it based on emotion, and then makes a decision. And the decision is made, I would say, in the dark or in the gray at least, without full benefit of true senses, of true senses. We've talked about this before, yes, but now it's time we're going to do it. We've talked about it in the past as kind of a preamble to what we're going to do now, but now we go into super-sensory living. Let's go back for a moment. Data, data. Emotion decision. Feel this for a moment. Take a good deep breath and imagine, if you would, along with me. Imagine you walk into a room and it's totally dark, totally dark. You know nothing about the room prior to opening the door, walking in and closing it behind you. It's totally dark. There's nothing there. Instantly, the mind, through its limited physical senses, starts searching for data. 
is the floor cold? Is it made of stone or is it carpeted? Data, data, data. And then you call out in total darkness. You can't see a thing. You call out in total darkness and is there an echo that will help you to determine the size of the room? Because you know nothing of the room, its size, its height, its furnishings, its anything. You could walk another two meters and fall into a, a deep pit filled with alligators for all you know. And you start collecting data. You whistle a little bit. You try to adjust your eyes, hoping there's a little bit of light protruding through the darkness to help you determine data, 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 data is what you're gathering here right now. And now you come to the point where there's almost no data at all. All you know is you're walking on a floor. And all you know is that something is absorbing the sound so there's no echo, but it still is not helping you determine the size or the nature of the room. You haven't stumbled into anything yet, so you don't even know if there's furniture or walls or anything else. Data, 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 data. Now you make an emotional decision. I'm in danger. <laughs> That's the way the mind works. I'm in danger. That's an emotional decision, that, uh, an emotional reaction. I'm in danger. And maybe you are, maybe you aren't, but that's what the data points help the emotions to determine. Mm. And now it's time for decision because the emotions have said danger, potential great danger in here. You should not be in this place. And the decision is run like hell. Try to find that door that you came in. Hopefully, you haven't moved too far from the door. And ideal, or not ideally, but in reality, you haven't moved away from hardly that door at all. Because in your data collection and your emotional decision, you're afraid to go any further. But what if this room contained your divinity? It was simply that your mind couldn't comprehend divinity because it has no previous experience with it. It doesn't know what to look for. It doesn't know how to use its data points to detect any divinity. What if this room was filled with your divinity, but now you've made a decision to run, hoping you can find the door because you're afraid of what might come? This is the typical way of human thinking. I've. Uh, I've simplified it and reduced it, of course, and some will object that I've made it far too uh, simple. But no, this is actually how it works. Data, did you have that on the screen? Sure. Data, 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 emotion, decision. And you go through life like this, every day like this. And when you encounter dark rooms, a metaphor for meaning something new in your life, is generally the decision to run or at least to hold back or the other decision often made is, let's get more data. Let's just stand here for a while and see if something happens, but holding one hand on the door so you could exit as quickly as possible. It's time to go beyond that. In this room now, this room representing so many new opportunities, this room representing your divinity, this room re representing your energy and all of your potentials, in this room now, you stop. Stop the obsessive data gathering. Grab onto your scepter, not as a weapon, not as the answer, but as a reminder that you do know. You do know. If we were to pause right here, 
you standing in the dark room having collected now maybe hundreds of data points and uh, your emotional reaction is one of fear. Maybe you haven't made a decision yet and I come up to you and say, so what are you going to do? And you say, I don't know. And I slap you really hard, really hard. I knock your ass to the floor. And you realize the floor is pretty hard. That's another data point. Don't fall on the floor so often anymore. And then I throw you up against the wall and you realize the wall is really hard too. And eh, I'm joking. Maybe not so much. At that point, you don't say, I don't know. When I walk up and say, What are you going to do now? You're in this dark room. You have no idea what it is. You're afraid. Be PETA and yourself. You're so afraid. What are you going to do? And you say, I'm going to grab that scepter right now before I do something else bad. <laughs> and I'm going to grab that scepter, and that scepter is going to show me the way. And you get out of your mind. Stop thinking, and you're aware of your emotions, but they don't in, they don't overwhelm you, and you refrain from making a human decision based on data, data, data. You hold that scepter and you let it transport you now into the potentials, into your energy, and when you get into your potentials. It's not that the answer is there, not like the answer, you know? All the answers, all the potentials. And you're going to be instantly attracted to the potential that holds what you would call the greatest level of satisfaction, of sensuality, the least level of suffering, the least level of resistance. You are going to be automatically guided there. Do not question this ever, 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 ever. Do not question that you are going to be automatically guided to the highest potential for you. Not for the planet, not for anybody else, not for your mother, not for your dog, but for you. Do not question, because that's a working of the mind. That's the, that's the kind of the undercutting of the mind. There's no time, there's no place for that questioning. It takes tremendous trust. Not really. <laughs> no, it actually doesn't. That's a misconception. Oh, that's tremendous trust. No, it's not. This is all yours. It's all your energy. It's all your potentials, all your answers. It's not spirit guides. Oh, oh, oh. It's not any of that. It's you letting yourself be transported or brought into all of your potentials, the consciousness. And as you hold on to the scepter, which is just a reminder, as you hold on to that scepter, it will take you through the layers and layers of the toxic I don't knows that you put there in the past. Mm. It'll slice right through that veil and bring you to the answer. And then shut up. Shut up. I say that because there's such a tendency for the human mind to start rolling and obsessing and asking questions and worrying and fearing and saying, well, we better collect more data and do more research and try to figure out. And then we have to sit around and balance the odds and what's good and bad. And then we have to value. Shut up. You are in your own energy. And the energy will never, ever work for you or work against you. It will never work against you. 
And then you're there in this darkness, in this nothingness. And for a moment, yeah, the mind is going to jump in and say, what is this? This is just one great big dark abyss, and I'm going to be eaten up by the abyss monster. And right about that time, when you've transcended data, 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 emotions, and suddenly it's just all knowingness, and you're like, dang, I knew that. Dang, I always knew that. Why did I putz around with all this data, 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 emotion stuff of the mind? And then the moment you think that, the moment you ask that question, well, now you're in your energy. The answer comes because you wanted to, because <laughs> you thought that was the way. And then you think to yourself, I wonder if I can ever get beyond that. And the answer is right there, that knowingness. Well, absolutely, dummy. I mean, it's, well, it's your energy talking to you. It talks to you like that sometimes. It says, yeah. You know, we have to go back to that. Stop thinking about it. Stop worrying about it. You are here. Hold that scepter. It transports you right smack into the middle of your energy, which is all your potentials, and the potential that wants to serve you the most in the greatest joy is the one that you'll be aware of right away. Ultimately, you'll be aware of all the other potentials, but you go, eh. Not so interested, because those are suffering. Those take too long. Those, I don't know what the hell those are, but no, I want this one of joy and ease and no more suffering. No more suffering. Let's take a deep breath, dear Shambra. Yes, I'm having fun today. It's been so long now of working in this old style, uh, a very linear style of data, 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 emotions. Once in a while a decision, but a lot of times, I don't know. You know, you ask these questions sometimes. What should I do? Where should I move? Should I find a lover? Who am I? Uh, how long am I going to live? What do I need to do to take care of my health? And you start trying to get data points. Uh, you go on the internet, you look, you research. Stop that. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that research is bad, but for your big questions in your life, where you go next, what to do, how to overcome a, a physical issue, how to allow wealth into your life, all these things, stop data, 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 emotion, because you see the big part there is the decisions are based on emotion, and the emotion is generally fear or lack or suffering. No wonder. You keep repeating the same thing, with the same suffering, with the same outcome all the time. Let's go beyond that. Hold that scepter and let it transport you into your own energy, where all the answers are there, and where the answer with the greatest joy and the greatest grace is going to be so self-evident to you, so clear to you. It won't come to you saying, well, I'm not sure whether to choose this or this. It's going to be so clear, and it'll smack you like a big knowingness. Let's take a good deep breath. It's time we change the way. Time you change the way. You have things answered. You come to real, true decisions in your life. It's time 
We open up to all the potentials, and they're there. And it's as simple as holding that scepter and shutting up. Stop mind obsessing. It'll transport you right to your energy. And the quieter you are, the quieter you are, for a few moments, a few precious moments, it'll show you that in that great big dark room that you just entered, which is a symbol of a maybe a question in your life. In that great big dark room, if you just stay quiet for a moment, stop trying to collect data points, and don't get into the emotional decisions, the answer will be right there. Let's take a good deep breath, put on some music, and do this with a marab. You already know. You already know. That's why it's offensive when you say things like, I don't know, because then that's what your reality becomes. When you say, I don't know, the energy is going to give you that. You really put a veil around yourself, and then you don't know, and you won't know, and you can't know. Instead of the I don't know, would you give me that hat, Linda? Instead of that I don't know, you do know. And you know better than anyone else. You notice I'm not wearing it. <laughs> I don't want to mess up Calder's thinning hair. Kathumi's teaching me humor. I'm, I'm not perfect at it yet. Yes, I am. I know better. I know better than to say I don't know. It's, I don't know is toxic. I know better than anyone else what's good for me. I know better than to just collect data points and try to make a decision based on that. Data points are interesting and they're fine in some cases, but not and where your life goes. Data points are fine in terms of understanding how to turn on your dishwasher. <laughs> That's what data points are for. Turning on your dishwasher. Some of you still haven't figured that out. It's okay. We'll get there. Data points aren't intended to run life. And you see, life is going that right route right now. More and more data points with computers. A lot of data points. Trillions of data points every nanosecond. That's not what makes life. That's not what opens the heart and brings love and fulfillment. Data points, a series of data points do not make for healthy decisions. Because if you use a series of data points to try to make decisions about your life and your happiness and your sovereignty. The data points are just going to ask for more data points. And then those data points will ask for more data points and you'll never come into your own energy. Take a good deep breath. 
It's a simple, I, it is as simple as holding that scepter. It's yours. It's, it's your reminder. And letting it illuminate that dark room. You could spend a lifetime searching around in the dark in that room, trying to collect enough data points to determine what it looks like and what that room is composed of. And even then it won't be accurate. Just like history is not really accurate, it's a series of data points. There's some truth to it, yeah, but it's not really accurate. Your perception of yourself is based on a lot of data points. You call it your past. Well, it's not really who you are. It's also based on a lot of emotional decisions that were far short of your true potential. You know better. All the answers are there. Let's, let's do this. Let's bypass the traditional way of making choice and decision, the traditional way of understanding reality. Hold on to that scepter and let it take you to the fields of your potential. And those fields seem to go on and on. Beautiful, beautiful fields of potentials, just kind of like strawberry fields. Uh, the one berry, the one fruit that is truly your heart's passion that will come forward and it will be so obvious above and beyond all the others. Stop thinking so much. Stop saying, I don't know. Stop trying to use data points to get out of duality. Won't work. Data, 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 emotion, decision doesn't work. There's an incredible reality out there and we're going to go into, you're going to go into. And uh, it might seem a little frightening at first because you're so used to being data point driven, researching things. We're going to go beyond that into true supersensory or I like to call it super-sensual. There's no data points there. It's kind of like love, you know, try to describe it. It's hard to. It's the same thing with where we're going. and it's, it's not logical, and that's a good thing. It's not limited. So, dear Shambro, Let's use this occasion on the celebration of the Day of Love coming up soon, February 14th. Let's use this occasion now to truly go beyond the old way of making decisions, perceiving yourself and the world. Let's go into supersensory and 
I'm only going to explain what it is. Just take hold of that scepter. It'll bring you there. But I know it will. That's a guarantee that it will. Take hold of that scepter and whether it's a decision in your life, whether it's simply changing your perception of yourself or having a bigger perception, whether it's really understanding your history and your past, no matter what it is. Leave data points to things like how to turn on your electric toothbrush. Some of you are still struggling with that. Leave data points to how to operate your computer. But for you, for your heart, for your well-being as you stay here on this planet, there's a whole new way of perceiving reality, of going into your potentials, finding true answers, answers that don't come from God. You know, God is just a bunch of damn data. No, really. Uh, it's, I mean, the Bible, what, what is that? Data. You don't experience God by all these data points, and that's what scholars do. I think they're so damn smart, but it comes from the heart, from the feeling from the super sensory. That's where we're going. That's not scary. Feel into this great big dark room now. Feel into it. Instead of using the old way of data points and then emotions and decisions now, just stand there with scepter in hand. For a moment, yes, it's the human. It could be a little frightening saying it's nothing but a great big dark room. I have no idea what's in here. It could be treacherous, and then that fades away. As you hold true to yourself, it fades away, and suddenly feel right now what happens. Suddenly. Allowing yourself your true consciousness. Feel what happens to that room right now. You see, there's that moment of quiet moment of wondering and even trying to fill the quiet. And when you take a couple deep breaths, you remember, I know better. Take a couple deep breaths into the true sensory nature of yourself. And you realize it's all right here. Anything you want to know about your life, your next moves, your potentials, your opportunities, everything's all right here. 
Your realization was always here. But when you said, I don't know how to get there, I don't know when it will happen, you stayed in the dark. You kept the lights off. No more. Take hold of that scepter and realize I know better. Let's take a deep breath together, dear Shambram. And thank you for allowing me to test my new humor out. I think I did quite well. I th- th- thank you. Well, golf clapping over here. Thank you. Uh, I think I did quite well. I'll have to go back and report to Kathumi. I guess he's going to send me a bill now for the classes. <laughs> um, it was a money back guarantee, but I don't mind paying him because, um, you know, what a great gift. I don't have to worry about where the money's going to come to pay Kuthumi. I don't have to say, I don't know where it's going to come from. I know better. It's already here. So, dear Shambra, let's take a deep breath. We'll return next month for my graphic and vivid images of me as a woman in my past lives. With that, remember that in spite of the sadness and the craziness on the planet, ultimately all is well in all creation. Thank you, dear Shambro. Happy Valentine's Month. Open the heart. So, let's go ahead. Take the good deep breath into the heart of you. Really allowing all of this to be felt by each of us. Take the good deep breath and feel into Adamus's adventure and humor. Wow, and there's more. Be with that good deep breath as we close this very special Merlin I Am. Be with the good deep breath until we see you again soon. Thank you for being a part of this shout. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Adamus, and to our whole team here in the studio and and back online, here for you. Thank you, everyone, from our hearts. Thank you.
spinning and you can't jump off But I will catch you if you fall, I can't tell you enough I hate to hear that you're feeling low I hate to hear that you won't come home Oh, why should we care for what they're selling us anyway? Wait, 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 hold up. Ian, Hi. yes. what's yes. going on? McKellen. I'm trying to shoot a video for my song. Well, I'm just trying to sing the song. It's such a fantastic song. Well, thank you very uh, much. I, I, I think I sing it rather well. Well, mm. debatable, but I keep trying to do my thing. Yes. And you're just there. Look, yes. so, ah, thank you. there was mm. someone bringing you a gong on. Mm. He was taking mm. it off. You got a drink. Mm. I don't even get that. Oh, well, I'm sorry, but it is, I'm just so excited to be here. You know, da, 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 da. Uh, I understand <laughs> that, but it's just a frustration. Do you know, Jeff, uh, George, yeah. you know, I love all your music. Oh, from from you, Bucharest man. onwards. Budapest. Budapest, mm. yeah. If I can just, uh, just, uh, well, just be here, you know. As long as, as long as I, really want, I have to space here. to breathe and do my thing. Well, of course, yes. Thank you very much. Ready? I'm ready. Yes, so am I. You don't have to be there, You don't have to be scared, baby. You don't need a plan of what you want to do. Won't you listen to the man that's loving you?